What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. As always, I'm your host, James Jackson, joined with my guys, Kyle Sirik and our residential statistician, Statbat Robinson. We are knee-deep into these NBA conference finals and on to about to be on to week three of the NFL season. So let's get right into it. We're going to start with these Western Conference finals because the Lakers have a 2-1 series lead. We're recording uh, right now. Uh, on Thursday, or yeah, on Thursday, September 24th, almost forgot the date for a second. So the night that the that game four is played at the Western Conference Finals, but we know the Nuggets have come back down 3-1 before, even if the Lakers were to win tonight. So we look at Jamal Murray's stats. After being down two games in a series through the rest of the series, Jamal Murray averages 32 points, 6.7 assists, 6.2 rebounds on 55% from the field at 54%. From three. So I ask you, painstakingly, Matt's shaking his head down there because that's just wild, right? Like he really turns it on when it gets its toughest, and it's tough right now. So can, can the Nuggets come back? If, even if they go down 3 1, can the Nuggets come back in this series? They're down 2 1 right now. Can they come back in this series? I think yes. And remember, they're a buzzer beater away from being up 2 1. So it's mm-hmm. really, I know the Lakers are up 2 0. Um, I was wondering if the Nuggets would roll over, but they never do. And they came back the other day and forced the game four, despite the fact that the Lakers let a late charge and almost came back. But what I loved about that is that so many teams, when the Lakers made the charge back, would have folded. Like you see a lot of times with LeBron on his opponent and the Nuggets said, fuck that, we can still win this thing. And then Jamal Murray makes a nut three, like he's done at all playoffs to clinch the game and set up what I think the series is going to go probably six, seven games, maybe. I mean, you got to give them that respect now, right? After after watching them not, like you said, not fold, not tuck their tails and run and, and really stand up to the Lakers, um, something I, I don't think the Lakers have seen yet in these playoffs is someone really dig their heels in against them. But it's, it's still an uphill battle. They're still down. And if they lose tonight, they go down 3-1. We know the Nuggets love to come back down 3-1. They've done it twice already in these playoffs. So, Kyle, can they do it a third time? Are the yeah. Lakers going to win tonight? Like, if, we, if, if we're saying they're coming back from 3-1, we're already saying the Lakers have a dub tonight. I'm, which uh, I believe. I'm not going to lock in the Lakers, but I'll treat it as they were down two games like they were in the past couple series. Right. Um, you mentioned Jamal Murray stats in those games. Again, down two games and then through the rest of the series. But Jokic has been the man, too. In that same sample size, it's seven games, the three in the Nuggets series or three in the Jazz Series, three in the Clippers Series on this past game. Jokic has given you 25 a game, 6.7 assists, 12 rebounds. He's also shooting 54%, and he's almost 50% from three. So it, it needs to be that two-man game, two man game if they're going to come back. They don't, they don't get everyone involved like some other teams we know. They have one game out of those seven where five players were in double digits. Three of the games, they only had three players in double digits, and then the rest of them, they had four. So they can come back. They need to keep doing the same two-man game. Grant had a great game last game. I hope he's that third man that can kind of come peace along. But I'm not even going to count him out tonight. It could be 2-2 very well. I mean, Jamal Murray went as far as calling Jokic the, the best in the world. Said, said what he does and how he does it is, you know, he's, he's the most skilled basketball player in the world. And I'm not I'm not going to go that far. I'm, I'm not going to like, like, whoa, buddy, you got a little too much dip on your chip saying that. But what we see out of Jokic is, is great. Like, like. For being probably one of the most unathletic basketball players in the NBA and still doing what he does on a nightly basis and mo- sometimes getting the best of an Anthony Davis on the other end is is great. But Kyle, you alluded to it. That, that's how the Nuggets got 
a game three wing. It wasn't just Jamal Murray and Jokic. It was the other guys. You know, they were talking about it on the broadcast. Jeremy Grant had a, had a playoff career high. Monte Morris had a playoff career high. MPJ was coming off the bench, shooting the lights out. So they got production from their role players, from their secondary players. That's that's what's got to continue. You know, if they want to get back into the series, if they want to take a series lead. And Anthony Davis, you cannot have two rebounds in any game. Sure. There's no basketball game where Anthony Davis can end up with two rebounds, and it's and it's good news for the Lakers. There, there's not one. That was that was so uninspiring to me. I don't care. At the end, he had like 28 points. I don't care. Like the 28 points to me is a wash. If you got two rebounds against that team, like come on, man, come on. Sometimes, sometimes he would have MPJ on him, and, and is getting out rebounded. Jokic Yoke, yeah. had more offensive rebounds in Game Three than Davis oh, had rebounds. I was disgusted. I when when they told me in the third quarter that he still didn't have a rebound, I was like, they're lying to me right now. And then like it, I almost didn't realize he didn't have a rebound. And then you start watching him on the boards, and you're like, this dude really doesn't have a rebound. He's playing like someone who doesn't have a rebound. Like he doesn't expect yeah. to rebound the ball right now. Yeah. Before we get to the Lakers, you're leaded to Monte Morris real quick, who I got some personal love for because the Nuggets were my team on 2K and he could give me like 20 a game. But he's really he's really shown out this series. And who's supposed to be the third best player on the Nuggets? Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap? Maybe. I was I was Maybe going Gary more for Harris. I was going Gary more for Harris? Gary Harris. And he hasn't done anything for you. He's and, like six now. He's like yeah. he's, he's getting bumped down the list. And he can give you 20 a game. He can be their Eric Gordon type of player for the Nuggets that the Rockets have. And so he hasn't done anything yet. Morris is stepping up. I expect him to play the same, not sold on MPJ, but this team can get dangerous. If you get some Millsap or Harris production in there. So I don't, I don't, I don't think this series is going to be five games in any shot. I think the Nuggets are coming back. It's got it. Look, 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 y'all. Everyone gets one win against the Lakers, right? No matter when it happens, game one, game three, or I don't really care. The series could still go five very easily. If, if, at 11 o'clock, Kyle, I'm going to call you at 11 o'clock, 11.30 midnight, and see if you still, and see, see if you still think that. Because when okay. it's 3-1, it's a whole different. I get it's the Nuggets. I get they've come back twice now. And I get they got two players that really raised their game down 3-1. But those two players haven't played LeBron James down 3-1. They played goofballs when they've been down 3-1. Goofballs let up 3-1 leads. LeBron if, James holds that. If the Nuggets go down 3-1... They won't lose it, but the Lakers will win it. Like the Nuggets will be like, we can still do this. They might right, win right, game five, force the game six. Games just might be close, but like when LeBron needs one game to win out of three, like he's gonna get that one win. Like they and Matt, you're you're exactly right. I think if the Nuggets go down three one, Jamar Murray will have the same inspired speech in the locker room, the same inspired game routine. They will charge up and run full speed ahead into a brick wall. Like, like it's it's just not a team that's going to do that. But before we get to the Lakers side of it, how the Nuggets got to got to a game three win, got or into themselves back in this series, isn't just on the offensive end, isn't just what they're doing. You talk about how they have a two-man system. Well, they're keying on, on the Lakers two-man system, and they're trying to make life really tough for LeBron and AD. Uh, really first stopping them on the pick and roll. On the pick and roll, LeBron and AD are only averaging 0.8 points per possession. That's way down for them. Also making Lakers shoot outside jumpers in games two and three. The Lakers only shot 33% of their field goals from two feet and eight. And in the regular season, they shot 40%. Nearly half of their field goal baskets, you know, came from within the painted area and right at the basket. So they're making life tough for them. 
And when you're talking about the bulk of those shots, you're talking about maybe 60, 70% of the shots going to LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So lucky on the defensive end, which is not something we're used to saying about the Nuggets, but it's, but but it's how they came back. It's how they came back before. For regular season, Denver was not a defensive team. And in I the playoffs, they'd, they'd have to do that to win. The only problem with those numbers is that when you hold them to shooting only 33% from in, as we saw in game two, when you have LeBron and AD, they'll have games where they make them. They'll, yeah, they'll, right, make, they'll yeah. make the mid-rangers, like LeBron or AD. And it's that's why it's so critical that the Nuggets, if they won game two, I think it's a whole different series. Um, but if they can win tonight and make it 2-2, Maybe the Lakers get a little nervous. Not LeBron would be like AD, but if it's three one, it's like eventually LeBron or AD is going to have one of those games, and you're just not going to be able to say that. LeBron yeah. still hasn't had his game yet in the in this series. You know it's coming. Well, and I, have okay, a I, I just want to say you you can say that, and you're right. LeBron hasn't had his game yet, but then in game three, he had like 30, 11, and 10 on like 60% shooting. He didn't like, win. It's, it's yeah. not his game because they didn't win. That, yeah. and, and that's the standard we hold LeBron to. You can have the greatest game in the world. If y'all don't win, we're not going to say that that was your game. But Matt, even, you know how they say defense wins championships? Well, in this series, like defense doesn't win you the game, but it keeps you in it. And, and I think it's not a coincidence that game two, they were a buzzer beater away from winning it, and they won game three, and that's the formula they used, keeping them out of the painted area. And the the field goal percentage and Anthony Davis's rebounds tell you that that man didn't spend a lot of time in the painted area. That's how they got it done. But on the, on the flip side, the, the Lakers still have command of this thing, and... I mean, there's a way they can bring it home and, and close this light that's at the end of the tunnel for the Nuggets. Well, how do they do that, Kyle? What's the biggest way they do that? For the Lakers? Mm-hmm. They, they have to hit their outside shots. I mean, I, it seems like the Nuggets found their thing here on the pick and roll. We can stop this. Now you got to kick it out. And they're kind of going, Caruso, take it. KCP, take it. it. Danny Green, do take it. it. Coos, doing it. Take it. They, they'll give them the threes, the Nuggets will. They just need to hit them. They shot, I think, 23% from three the other night in game three and like 50% from the field. If you shoot 50% from the field, you should make your threes. Mm-hmm. And they're just not. So they need to hit outside shots. And I don't really think you could stop Murray. I don't say, hey, let's send a double team here. Because, all right, it goes to the joke. And yeah. I'll tell you what, Rondo was doing for 65% of the game, Rondo was doing probably the best job you could do on Jamal Murray. They need like to do was, it. He just got hot late. Like, he yeah. just got hot late. And like, and he's he and he's going to. I think we talked about the past two weeks when we talked about this team. Jamal Murray's going to be Jamal Murray. Mm-hmm. He's solidified that. The they need to win the game on the offensive side of the ball. And it really comes down to me. Hit the outside shots. They lost by eight. And they were like, like, they were 23%. They shot 26 of them. So they made six. I think they were like six for 26 from three. They need to make them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, simple as that. And it was funny because we watched Jamal Murray have probably one of his worst games in these playoffs and look kind of pedestrian through about three quarters, maybe two and a half quarters. And then the fourth quarter hit. And, the and fourth it always quarter hit. And you're like, holy shit. Like, here it comes, right? And like, it he, always hits. He hits that, that dead dribble reverse pivot step back three on Alex Caruso. That was nuts. And then at the end of the game, didn't have to, had about two seconds on the shot clock. But gets like a dribble out to him from 35, looks up, and just pulls it freaking cash. And that was the dagger. That was it. Once that went in, you saw all the Lakers' heads fall because they were like, that's not our game. On to the next one. On on to the next one. And it was interesting, right? We watched the Nuggets claw their way back 
from double-digit deficits in the fourth quarter and in the second half all the time. And game three was the first time we had to watch them cling on to one, and they almost didn't do it. The Lakers got to within three with about like three or four minutes to go, and it was a ball game. They just ran out a little bit of time and a little bit of juice. They were gassed. But it's interesting that we saw the Nuggets have a large lead and have to hold on to it for the first time, it seems, in this playoffs, and they they almost ran out. They almost let it slip. And it was, a, it was a few Jamal Murray daggers away from the Lakers really stealing it and this being a 3-0 series, a really ugly series for the Nuggets. But we got to move on to the Eastern Conference as well because we do have a 3-1 series in that Eastern Conference. The total points scored between the Celtics and the Heat in these series is weird. It's exactly 441. So both teams have scored 441 points through four games in this series, but the Heat are up 3-1. So, same question we asked for the Nuggets. Do the Celtics have it in a map? I shouldn't have asked y'all this. Do the Celtics... <laughs> like, I'm just now realizing that's why you were loving it. That's why you were loving it in the script. Do the Celtics have it in them to go back down 3-1, Mr. Celtics hater? They have a small chance, as much as I hate to admit it, just because... You did that just for the cameras. You didn't want to say any chance. You didn't want to say any chance. Did it for the just cameras. because I think they have the talent to beat Miami. I think... You, I think if Tatum has a really hot three-game stretch, the the Heat are such a interesting team is that they don't anyone can step up as a Saltali hero shoot thirty at thirty-seven points, which is nuts. But I always feel like maybe it's because I root against them every time they play. But like I'm scared that the Celtics are going to win at every moment of these games. Like the Heat, their three wins have been barn burners. They've been all very close games. The Celtics won a semi-comfortable one in Game Three, and a lot, and they have to get a lot of credit for being able to close out the games. But three-one, I'm like ninety percent sure the Heat win. I'm like ninety percent sure. This year has made me think differently about three-one leads. Like I've seen it happen before, um, but it wasn't like a like I always thought. Like you were on three-one, you should be very very scared. You should be starting to pack your bags because. 3-1 is damn near insurmountable. And the fact that we've seen it happen in back-to-back series from one team is making us think different. But like a 3-1 lead is still a 3-1 lead. And the Celtics have dug themselves a hole. And it's funny because we sat here after game one, right after the Heat won game one, and the Celtics had that collapse. Jason Tatum had that collapse in the second half of fourth quarter. All three of us sat here and said, well, the Heat can't rely on that again. But he can't bank on the Celtics going cold. And them motherfuckers went cold again. Three yeah. games, they've gone cold again. Jason Tatum has gone cold again. Making us look like idiots because they're doing stuff they've never done. We called on Kemba Walker, and he had like a half. He gave us like the first half of game game four he gave us. We were like, oh, there goes Kemba. And then he went, and then he went quiet again. Like what, like, what, what, what is going on? We're, we're seeing things that are going against our numbers. This is our, like our model is on the line here, going against us. And we're watching the Celtics fall flat. So from their point of view, like how have we gotten to a 3-1 deficit from the Celtics' point of view? What have they done to get themselves in that hole? They're just, for me, the Celtics, they're not finishing these games. We mentioned the total points, 441 is the exact same for teams. But in the fourth quarter and overtime, the Celtics are minus 19 on that total points score. So it's not a complete stat because the one game did go OT. But they're basically going up five points in every fourth quarter and losing the game or four and a half points and they're not finishing the games and that's what the heat have done all year and then at the same time they they're not built 
the reason I hope you asked me the three one question, but I can put it in here. They're not built to beat this Heat team coming back three one. I'm sorry, they're not deep enough. Not yeah, not the Heat team. You've no. got four. You got four t- players: Tatum, Walker, Brown, and Marcus Smart that are giving you just about eighty percent of all your total production. And you got Tice that's giving you nothing. Grant Williams is playing; he's giving you nothing. Gordon that's Hayward's back; Robert he's giving Williams you nothing. Robert Williams gave him the best bench minutes they've seen in two series, and it was like a ten and four off the bench. Yeah, like that's, Tatum. That's what they Tatum, expect from their bench. Tatum, Tatum's giving you more than twenty every game. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brown and Kemba have given you more than twenty-three out of four games, and the only game they won was when all three of them were over twenty, and Marcus Smart was also over twenty. They don't have the depth, and for you to rely on Marcus Smart to give you twenty for you to be able to Can't win a game, it. it's not going to happen. Game game four, 10 points on like twenty five percent from the field or something like that. Can't also, what well, what I said a couple weeks ago, one or two weeks ago with the Kemba versus Dragic matchup, Dragic has won the matchup. Dragic every time, has Foreman, every time, Kemba, and that can't happen. The Celtics paid Kemba a lot of money, and they didn't pay him to get outplayed by Gordon Dragic. Like Dragic right. is a good player, but. Now to outplay Supermax, you're exactly right. We sat here and we called on Kemba. You got to win that matchup. And to me, he hasn't won it. And it's not always like the scoring output because there is, I I would like to look back in in these box scores, but I would bet that he's winning the points matchup against Goran Dragic most of the time. But but it's the, the complete game where Dragic is getting the best of Kemba. Kemba only has 16 assists in the series. Dragic has, oh, Dragic only has 17. But, uh, sorry, that's not the best point. But Dragic is not winning the matchup. He's not winning the matchup. Not winning the matchup. Lost by one digit or one stat point is still a loss in the matchup. Dragic is averaging 21.8. Kemba's averaging 20.8. Like, he's got to win that matchup. The one, the best game the Celtics have is if the Heat are downplaying the Bam out of bio injury because he rolled his ankle in game four. And they say it's fine, but if there's a shot that he is playing at even 70%, the, the Celtics definitely have a shot to steal a couple games. And okay, you can't well, rely on the injury to get you some wins. I mean, I, <laughs> if you're rooting for injuries, you're in a bad place. I mean, we and thank God, knock on one, we haven't seen a lot of injuries, a lot of devastating injuries in these playoffs so far. But let's go to the Heat side because, I mean, one team's got to lose to go down 3-1, but one team's got to win to go up 3-1, and the Heat are doing that. Like, we got to give them their credit. As much as we're watching the Celtics collapse, we're watching a full team win, and I mean a full team win from the Miami Heat. So, Matt, how have the Heat gotten themselves to a 3-1 advantage? From their point of view, how is they up 3-1? Teamwork, teamwork, teamwork. There is no selfish bone on any one of the Heat players Amazing. They have they have four players averaging eighteen point eight points per game or more. They have four people that you look at the assists. It was like Tyler Hero is averaging five point three assists per game. That's like nuts. What? That's nuts. They, they, love about they they have Jimmy Butler could have two points on one of eleven shooting, and then he can in the fourth quarter make like three plays defensively and offensively. And you're like, wow, Jimmy Butler won him that game despite the fact he was two for 13 for six points. Because it's that kind of mentality that it's it's all about winning. And it's it's almost like an 0-4 Pistons kind of thing. Except like without, that without like the dominating defense, but just it's just a bunch of good players on one team together with 
no expectations and they're and they're having the time of their lives. They are having like they're just they're having a great time. <laughs> they're having an absolutely great time hooping. And I love the Jimmy Butler point because Jimmy Butler point's so true. Like that man, it doesn't matter if he's got two points or thirty-two points. If a, if they win, like he, he will, you know, he will consider it a good game. And he's that superstar that that doesn't mind stepping to the side and letting his players be hot. And you said it, man. He knows where to insert himself. If he's got to make a good defensive play, good hustle play, a timely basket, he will do so. But if he's not running this game, and Tyler Hero is, or Bam Adebayo is, or Goran Dragic is, like he's he knows how to and where to step to the side to allow them to shine, but still make sure that he has control of the flow of the game. It's amazing. But the only thing that 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 worries me about that is say they win this series and say everything's mapped up how it's supposed to, and they match up with the Lakers. That's going to be hard. Like, you're going to need to have an alpha dog, a go-to guy to win that kind of series. It's a final series. Like, you're, you're going to have to. Even when you saw a really team-oriented basketball style of the Toronto Raptors last year, Kawhi still had to come up big in moments. Kawhi still had to had to take him home when he needed to. So, Jimmy Butler's going to have to step into that role. But if I, I, do, gonna... I forgot to make one point. The Eric Spolster needs to get so much credit for this coaching job. Yep. That's no one expected them to compete for a title and they're a game away from the finals and those fourth quarter minus 19 for the Celtics that's also a plus 19 in the Eric Spolstra Brad Stevens matchup Eric Spolstra's won two chips he deserves to have the crown of the best coach in the east and everyone likes to talk up Brad Stevens but Spolstra's done it before and he's doing it again and let's and let's talk about when when the Celtics go that that minus 19 when they go cold and it's a it's a, a zone. That if you watch, you know, the last two or three games, the Heat go to the zone late, and it really frustrates the Celtics. And let me tell you, no player opts to go to a two-three zone. No, there's not one basketball <laughs> player who's on the court and says, Coach, we should go to a zone right here. That's just not what you think. Going to a zone is a coaching move 100 percent of the time. So for Eric, and in the NBA, it's like damn near unheard of. In the playoffs, damn near unheard of. No one does that. So for Eric Spolstra to have the confidence in his team. To make a move like that for his team to respond, that's just a really well-coached ball club right there. So, like, that, it's it's part of the reason. That's a good point. Eric Spolster is doing this. But that, that team basketball is what's doing it, man. It's, it's definitely what's doing it for the zone, The zone's huge. They're forcing the Celtics late in shot clocks. They're forcing them to get bad shots up. They're not getting good looks. We know they don't have a trusted inside game. If you get out on the shooters, it works. And that's a great move by Spolster. I just want to add that in. Yeah. And if you ask the Heat, who the X factor of the series is, Jimmy Butler's probably going to tell you Bam out of bio. But if you're watching, especially game four, like the X factor in this series is no limit hero over there. Tyler Hero, like that's that's the baddest white boy I've ever seen with a basketball. Like this, the what he does, he, and he's a rookie. But that Batman is cold. Him and Luca, the baddest white boys I've seen with a basketball. They are cold. Like, I know they say he's from Wisconsin, but that man hoops like he grew up in the hood without a daddy. Like, that man hoops like something was taken from him, and he's on a revenge tour to get it back, and NBA players just happen to be staying in his way. Like, he is absolutely hooping. To me, he's the X Factor. If he goes off, there are seldom times that Heat lose. He played high school basketball two years ago. This is nuts what he's doing. Like, you see so many shooters come into the league, and they need a couple times to feel it out. Not him. He's like, fuck this. I'm making every shot. I play Thompson. You can't stop me. And, and then he, he does it. 
and he's polished like a vet. Like he doesn't yeah. like so. There are great rookies. John Morant, rookie of the year. Zion, runner up. Like they play, and you can tell they're going to be great down the line. You can tell they have it in them, but you can tell when they play that there's still rookie tendencies. They move too fast. They're not in the right position. They can't get to their spot easily. Tyler Hero plays like he's been saucing dudes for five years. Like just yep. the, the the poise he plays with, the confidence, the ability to get to his shot. And Kyle and I were talking about it off camera before we before we turned the cameras on, before we started shooting. And his finish game at the rim for a pure shooter is very next level. Like his driving ability for someone who's labeled as a shooter is so good. Like I think, I think teams were being, you know, being misled by the scouting report telling them that Tyler Hero is a shooter. Cause this man could really can score in, in, in any way. He's got a deep ass bag, man. Like he, he is a hooper for sure. It's, his finishing is so polished. There's that new, I don't know if you watch a lot of high school basketball, you see it. There's that new age up and under move, no contact. It's a tough finish, but he's doing them in the games. He's doing it through contact. He's doing it with the left hand, with the right hand. He's doing it off a Euro step. And it's so polished. Did he miss a layup? I don't think Every, he did. I don't think everyone so. Talk, he was 9 for 11 from 2. As much as everyone likes to talk about the 3, 9 for 11 from 2 is fantastic. Fantastic. The only Stop rookie deficiency. Stop telling you the mid-range game is dead. Stop letting people tell you the mid-range game is dead. That shit is not dead. It never was dead. Never Except was Curry dead. Made the cool for about three or four years, but that shit never went away, man. Like fundamentals will win you a basketball game, and there are so many people telling us that right now. That mid-range two is deadly. The Learn only rookie play. rookie deficiency, as you talked about with John Moran, Zion down the road, is his defense right now. But on offense, he looks like a six-year, seven-year vet. The flow is good. He's great in that offense. A lot of it is Spolster and having a Jimmy Butler to work out with. But offensively, to get that kind of player that we thought was just a shooter, he's... And, and, and let's be honest, you can be a superstar in the NBA without being good on defense. Many of them. You you can, you can have it. Like, if, yeah. I mean, in yeah. the modern age of sports, really in any sport, in the modern age, like, if, if your offense is far superior than the rest, then, you know, if your defense lacks, I said, we could, we could overlook that. <laughs> if he progresses from here, we can overlook the defense. And he's a rookie. You're supposed to be bad on defense. We're not even saying he's not going to get there. Right. Yeah. Especially yeah. NBA defense. It's played played so different from how you're taught defense everywhere else. NBA defense is yeah. so different. So, you know, I'm, I got no limit hero, they say. So he got no limit to his game. He'll get there. Um, but we're going to take a pause in the action because, you know, we, we had this giveaway that we've been pumping up for a minute and we got a winner. So for once again, for everyone listening, thank you, everyone who, who participated and entered in the giveaway between Straight Facts and Spectre Sports Art one more time. You're entering to win, you know, a custom Kobe Bryant canvas painting. It's going to be a beautiful painting. We've showed many pictures of it and it's officially a time. Uh, to announce the giveaway winner. So can I get a drum roll from you guys, please? Give me a drum roll. Yeah, beautiful. And the winner is at Big Dave Goring. Is that how you pronounce this? Goring? I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right. But Gearing. Big Gearing. Because so that, that tells me right now that Kyle knows him. So one of Kyle's buddies got this painting. So so big dave enjoy it kyle if he lives in the house with you y'all might have a nice little painting up there for yourselves now i think we cheated people gonna think we he cheated. doesn't he doesn't live with me he lived with me sophomore year doesn't live with me uh he might be over tonight actually for this thursday night football game Don't can't wait to get, tell him but shout out to dave and stop winning everything dave 
Stop winning everything. Yeah, you told me he won a MacBook out of like 1,500 people? Yeah, freshman year, there was like a big drawing in our building in the building next to us for like, yeah, and he won. Tell homeboy go play the lottery for I'm going to send you some number. Tell homeboy go play the lottery for me so he can change all of our lives, please. But congratulations to Big Dave again. Straight Facts Podcast. We're going to keep it rolling here to the second half. And we got to touch on the NFL, man, because that's that's how our, that's how our podcast is going to be set up for the next two or three weeks or so. First half NBA, second half NFL, because we're on to week three. And there are 11 2-0 teams, 11 undefeated teams uh, after week two of the NFL season. But these following teams are interesting to us. So right now, we're going to play a fun little game, put all three of us on the spot. Pretender or contender of these particular 2-0 teams, we've omitted the teams like the Chiefs and the Ravens, teams that obviously are contenders, but there are some 2-0 teams that are on the brink. We're going to answer some questions. So first, Matt, I'll go to you. The Chicago Bears, 2-0. Are they contenders or are they pretenders? Remember, that's this Mitch Trubisky so as the quarterback. That's Mitch so Trubisky as the quarterback. They're a gigantic pretender. Okay, they got now. lucky at the okay, sc- from the schedule gods. They got the Lions and Giants back-to-back, both 0-2 mm-hmm. teams. Yeah. They got lucky against the Lions because DeAndre Swift dropped the game-winning touchdown. Just flat drop. And then they almost blew a 17-0 lead at home to the Giants after Saquon tore his ACL. <laughs> that, it's, and again, like you said at the beginning, they have Mitch Trubisky as quarterback. Pretender. I'll never... I- I will not trust a team with Mitch Trubisky unless until I see like ten good weeks from Mitch Trubisky, I have no trust in him. I guess he's just dug himself into that hole, and we and we still have Nick Foles ready there to take his job. Whenever whenever he is ready to relinquish the job, we know that Nick Foles is ready there to take it. I was surprised with how kind of well they were using Jimmy Graham in Week One. That shit plummeted in Week Two, so that didn't really give me you know any hope. Um, and, and it was just a matter of time before they start running into Aaron Rodgers and the Vikings, who I do believe are going to pick it back up, and the NFC North is going to get tough again. But Kyle, contenders or pretenders? Pretenders. I mean, that hit it. You hit the you played the Giants and the Lions, and almost lost both of those games. Uh, and Trubisky, like week one, had like the best statistical fourth quarter in like ten years, and you barely beat the Lions, and you should have lost to them. I know. Yeah, and I mean, last week your top two receivers combined for three catches. I mean, you your defense isn't where it was two years ago. You almost blew a lead to the Giants. They're huge pretenders. Mm-hmm. I don't even fin. I mean, they're tied for first. I I don't even think they finished second in the NFC North this year. And, and they and they finna lose one of their starting receivers if they don't pay the man. They're in contract disputes right now, so you know they're 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 really close to losing an asset. All right, we'll move on. This team I think is gonna have a different tone from us. The Arizona Cardinals, man, are doing it. That whatever they're doing, they're doing it, and they're doing it well. Two and zero right now. Um, Kyle, pretender or contender? Contender. Kyler Murray stepping up great. You beat San Fran, the defending NFC champs week one, a convincing win, not even like San Fran played bad. Not a, not a coincidence, right? Not a coincidence. Yeah, and you got the best receiver in the league who came back in a new system, still the best receiver in the league. Mm-hmm. And I, I know their conference is tough, but you're adding in an extra wild card seed this year. They could win their conference technically, but I think they make the playoffs no doubt. They're a contender. Yeah, uh, interesting tidbit. Kyler Murray is right now, uh, I believe, he's 10th in the NFL in rushing yards. He's ahead of Christian McCaffrey. So that's just a little interesting tidbit about how wild that offense is going right now. Matt, pretender or contender? As much as I love the Cardinals and as much as I, I love Kyler Murray. Murray. I knew he was going to. They have every making of the really fun 8-8 eight eight team that everyone loves to watch, but they're just a little, like, 
They're just not quite there in their division. They're going to be really fun. They're going to make a little noise for them by December. They'll kind of fizzle out. But I hope I'm proven wrong. I like the Cardinals, but that division's too tough. But they're going to be a fun watch the rest of the year. It's just I, that, it's I mean, unfair to compare them to the Bears, but I, I am both pretenders. That division is tough. Girl. We talked about how some of us think the Rams are back now. That NFC West is crazy. And with no Jimmy Garoppolo the, and, and no Nick Bosa, the 49ers are now looking up at the rest of the division, which is still a tough NFC West. And I got to say that they're, they're contenders. I mean, what we've seen from Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins in these first two weeks has been nothing but special. And for a team that's thrown so many of their eggs into the offensive bag, I mean, I mean, it, it looks like they're they're getting it done, and they're riding a, a, a momentum high, and they're going to get a test down the down the road when they start to face Seattle, when they face LA, and we'll see how they hold up. But for right now, they're contenders to me. Speaking of their NFC West wo- or foes, uh, the Los Angeles Rams, who are, are kind of surprising me a, a little bit. We talked about. Uh, at the end of week one, how we didn't think it was a flash in the pan. We think they're going to be back. So, Matt, I'm coming back to you. Pretender or contender for the L.A. Rams? Contender, and this is not just because they beat my Eagles. They are... No, 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 no. Not beat. Thrashed. Fair. Ass kicked. Fair. Embarrassed. Fair. Fair. I had to get Uh, that out. I'm good now. Go ahead. They won the NFC two years ago. They were 9-7 last year. I was arguing for them last week that they... They, Jared Goff is back, and what I mean by that is Jared Goff is oh back to being, hey, he's pretty good. That's what, that's what I mean. <laughs> he's so goofy. And, and McVay looks like he, he had about, he had a rough year last year, and I think he made adjustments and bounced back and has a lot more offensive wrinkles. He coached a hell of a game on Sunday. And I think, I think they're poised to be, a contender in the truest sense of the word in that they could win the conference this year. I don't think oh, they will, goodness. but they got a shot. They they're, mm-hmm. they got, they could go, tw- they went 12 and four and were like the two seed. That wouldn't surprise me at all. I don't see 12 wins. They played the Cowboys and the Eagles. They played two severely underperforming football teams. I get the Cowboys had the crazy comeback last week, but the Cowboys have been under underperforming for the majority of the first two weeks. And they had the benefit of playing both of those teams to start out with no preseason. Both those teams needed preseason and they had the benefit of playing them. My mom, two years ago, when we were watching the Super Bowl, Rams versus Patriots, she looked, she looked at the Rams and said, I don't believe in any team whose quarterback quarterback running back combination is goofy and girly. And since then, the Rams have not played good football. And I'm with I'm with I'm with Mama Dukes on this one. As long as Goofy is under center, I can't get I can't get with him. Kyle, pretender or contender? They're pretenders. I, I mean, pretenders, I, said it, I said it last week. You went three and zero last year to start the season. You missed the playoffs. I don't trust Jared Goff. You just had a running back in, get injured. Daryl Henderson isn't going to sco- do what he did last week ever again. I, I don't trust them. I do like their defense. The division's too tough though, and I expect them to miss the playoffs again. Extra wild card spot might help them because their division is is mad tough, man. But we'll go from NFC to AFC. The Pittsburgh Steelers are a team who's got the build to do it, but sometimes just doesn't put it together on paper. A healthy Ben Roethlisberger is pushing them to a 2-0 record right now. So, Kyle, pretender or contender for the team who's looking to get back into that NFC or AFC North contention? They're contenders. I, I hate to say it because I love rooting against my friends out here that are fans of the Steelers. So but, yeah, but I root against them. But any team 
that has Ben Roethlisberger under center, who looks good this year, is going to be a contender. Their defense is great. James Conner had a great game. I love Deontay Johnson. Mm-hmm. And you have Juju Smith-Schuster, who, okay, has been quiet for the last year. But last time he had Ben Roethlisberger under center, he was one of the best receivers in the league. So this is a contending team. I don't think their division's that tough. I don't trust the Browns. I don't trust the Bengals. I don't even think the AFC is that deep this year. So, I, yeah, so this is a contending team for me. And they, I'll stamp it right now. The Steelers are making the playoffs. I can buy that. Yeah, the, uh, like what you said, the AFC, I think, is a weak conference compared to the NFC. I think if the Steelers, especially as long as Roethlisberger stays healthy, they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to go 10-6 and six at worst. Tomlin has never had a losing record in his entire career. Even last year, when he had to play with Mason Rudolph, he went 8-8. Eight and, and, eight. and Duck Hodges. Mason Rudolph yeah, and Duck-, Duck Hodges. And this man did turn in a losing season. Talk to him. So with Roethlisberger back, I don't see any way they don't win 10 games. I think the... Ravens still run away with that division because I think they're like another. They won fourteen and two last year, but Steelers would definitely be one of the wild cards. It's a strange freedom when you pretty much know, like we're not gonna win this division. If we set our minds on that first wild card spot, we'll probably get it. And when you're not running with a deep division like that, I know no team will come outwardly and say it. No head coach will come outwardly and say it. But if I'm the Steelers, I gotta know that hey, if we look up in week eleven and we're right there with the Ravens. Hey, hell, let's go make a run at this division. But we know that we're, we're probably next to a 13-14 win team right there. The, 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 the division really isn't in our grasp. That first wall card spot is on the blues. And if they're the five seed, the four seed they could be playing could be like someone like the Titans or like the Bills or the Patriots. Like they're, yeah. That's all winnable games. Like if you get in the five seed, they're you're not going to play Kansas. They'll probably play the winner of the AFC South. Yeah, you're not going to play either Baltimore or Kansas City until later in the playoffs. And Pretty I'm not much even any team outside of those two is beatable in the playoffs. You're you're and looking at even, like Bills territory after that. I'm not even sure that the Ravens are like the lock to win the division. I got him 85%. But I was there last year when Duck Hodges brought him to overtime and Mike Tomlin deferred the punt, got the ball back in overtime, but they ended up losing. I mean, that team's beatable. You know how the Steelers Ravens rivalry goes. It's gonna be close games. There's no 30 point blowouts. So yeah, if it comes true. down to if it comes down to that game to the side of the division. Who knows? That still is still is Ravens rivalry definitely goes deep. Uh, I have, I had a one of my best friends in college was a Steelers fan, roomed with a Ravens fan. They used to go to the Steelers Ravens game every year, and they they said they went to it maybe five or six years and didn't see a bad game. So that's that's a really good rivalry down there. The last one, probably my favorite to be honest, because do I love me some Chucky? Brought brought my team the only Super Bowl in its franchise, and John Gruden. The Las Vegas Raiders, I didn't slip up, I almost said Oakland. The Las Vegas Raiders, Raiders are 2-0 right now off of a really impressive win on Monday night against the Saints. So, Matt, are they contenders or are they pretenders out there in the AFC West? The AFC is weak, like I said, so this gives them the contender for a wild card spot. Derek Carr, like, you can make an argument as one of the more disrespected quarterbacks in football. He had a 100 pass rating last year, and people are acting like he's a scrub. He has a 150 pass rating for he two be, weeks. He's not a scrub. Very mediocre. Be very mediocre to me. If you, he could be Kirk Cousins. He could be. He could be in the pretty good range. He could be in the pretty Kirk good range. Kirk Cousins is like Kirk Cousins is like his head is pressed up against the ceiling of mediocre. Like he's he's so badly wants to be good, but he's he's forever in that mediocre room. And I, I am a little biased because. Raider, the Raiders have like 80,000 Clemson players on their team. And I like yeah. rooting for Hunter Renfro, Cleveland Farrell, and Tanner Muse. 
But I Love think they're going to... I, I think they're definitely going to be... I think for two weeks, they're going to be a wild card team. They're going to go like 9-7 and seven, get a wild card. I don't see this one. I'm happy for them. I love Josh Jacobs as a running back. Henry Ruggs still hasn't had like his game yet. I still think he's still had, he's due for a breakout game. Um, but I just don't see it. I don't, I don't see them as true contenders. Now, are they contenders in the sense that they could sneak up on some teams and maybe be, I don't want to say the Titans of last season because the Titans went to the AFC Championship game. But that team who, who gets a couple wins, maybe like Monday night for getting overlooked and then being a surprisingly good football team. But I think when you get into weeks 10, 11, 12, and ultimately, the better football teams have to prevail and win later down the season. I just don't see the Raiders having that this year yet. I will say, one of you was really high on Darren Waller. And last year, he had kind of a good season, and I, I didn't really see it. But he hooped on Monday night, and I think he really put the league on notice as one of the best tight ends. So good under him. But the same reason that we're saying that we don't trust the Chicago Bears, or the same reason that we don't trust some of these other teams because of the quarterback position, but I think Marcus Mariota and Derek Carr, both of them, are very mediocre quarterbacks. And if Derek Carr happens to not do it, they'll plug in Marcus Mariota, who what, what I think is is like it's just a trade-off. Is is trading in a red car for a blue car. It's the same thing. It just looks different. Like I, I don't know. I, I just don't see this one. Kyle, contender or pretender? They're contenders. I mean, last I don't know. Y'all. It wasn't last week, it was three weeks ago. Me and Matt selected our playoff teams. Down at the list on number seven in the AFC, I had letters LV. I had the Raiders in there at nine you think, seven. So you think you think the last wild card spot, a bonus wild card spot this year, is a contending team in a week in a week conference that we're all just saying is weak. Let that me get bonus, there. That bonus. Go ahead. My fault. So, go ahead. They checked the right boxes. Star running back with McCaffrey and Saquon out, probably number five, top five running back in the league actively. Top That's five a different discussion. That's a different discussion, but go ahead. I'll give it to you. Top five tight end. Good O-line. Defense that can get it done. Uh, they have a good defense. defense. Yeah, they have a defense. good defense. And now it goes to the receiving core and the quarterbacks. Well, Darren Waller is your number one receiver. Ruggs is a rookie. He can get there. Aguilar is looking better. Not trusting him. Tyrell Williams on. can get Come there. But you have a quarterback that looks Aguilar in there. I'm not trying to sneak Aguilar in there. But you have a quarterback that can get you there. Wasn't Ryan Tannehill in the AFC Championship last year? That's a very true statement. Was Marcus Mariota his backup? Oh, similarities. I mean, Derek Carr can get you there. I'm more on Matt's side. No one got Derek Henry now. No one got the rest of the I agree, but I'm more on Matt's side. We've seen a Tannehill in in the last four years. We've seen a Tannehill in the conference championship. We've seen a Kirk Cousins. We've seen a Kirk Cousins. We've seen a Jared Goff. These are guys that I would kind of compare. We have seen a Bortles. (laughs) These are guys I would kind of compare Derek Carr with with the right team around them. I'm high on these Raiders. They're going to make the playoffs. I'm going to say that. Who knows what happens there? They'll probably make the playoffs for you know in a a weak conference. We've already said it, but I don't want to get too hyped about this defense because we we watched them have to play the Saints in the first game they've had to play without Michael Thomas in forever, and we clearly watched Drew Brees operate an offense that he doesn't know how to operate without Michael Thomas. They just don't know how to do it. Emmanuel Sanders didn't have a catch until like the, the third or fourth quarter, and that's supposed to be his number one target going into the game. So I think the Raiders really took advantage of that. You have a really smart coach in John Gruden, and you had Jonathan Abram who was going crazy. But they, they had the luxury of, of getting the Saints in in their practice mode. We had to try to do this for the first time without Michael Thomas. But that's a top five offense in the league. Kamara still played. Bree still played. I mean, 
the, the Saints. Top five offense with a guy who catches the most passes per game in NFL history in a sure. passing offense. They sure, but you got a you got a 15, 17 year vet at quarterback. It, it shouldn't matter that much. Who re- who relies on one person? I'm not look. I'm I'm not saying the defense is bad. I'm not saying defense didn't show up and didn't play well. I'm saying they got the benefit. Like we talked about, some other teams had the benefit of week one and week two going their way. Week two went the Raiders' way. They got an inactive Michael Thomas and the Saints' first ever time dealing with that. They know how to do it before. But Thomas had like two or three catches week one and they beat Tampa Bay handedly. Well, because he got strapped up by Tampa Bay. We want me to tell you. The Raiders should give up 30 to Teddy Bridgewater's Panthers, which is a a little bit of a warning sign, giving up 30 to those Panthers. We're going to learn a lot about the Raiders through the next four games because they play New England, Buffalo, Kansas City, and Tampa. So we're going to learn a lot. You ain't going to back all that up, Kyle. I'll talk to you in four weeks. You're back on that up. If if they're four and two, that's fine. That is, I mean, I think the Raiders after six games will take four and two. That that will put them them in some contention. Um, Before we move on from the NFL talk, man, Monday night is week, the week three Monday night game might be the game of the year already. And we got the defending champion Chiefs taking on the, the reigning MVP, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. We're going to throw all the stats out the window. I see to hear. Who you got? Who's the better team right now? Who you got winning the Monday night game, Matt? Baltimore. They are on a mission. They're so mad they lost to a 9-17 minute of run. They're going 14-2. Chiefs are flying high. They're happy. They're, they're, they can, the, this is a statement game for the Ravens. Like They don't have the Super Bowl with this core. And this is their statement saying, we're the, we're going to be, we're the Super Bowl favorites. Look at what right, we just so did here. for the Y'all had last year. Right, you're right. Y'all had last year. We have this year. And let's be honest, through two weeks, the Ravens look like the much better football team. I mean, the, the, the Chiefs almost lost to the Chargers last night. not. Come on, man. With no Tyrod Terry, with Justin Herbert, rookie quarterback going in there, almost beat the defending champs. Took back-to-back 50-plus yard field goals from the man Harrison Bucker to get to edge out that victory. So through two weeks, the Ravens definitely look better. That's who I got. I got, I got Lamar, man. Not only is he my fantasy quarterback, so I'm kind of hoping that he pops off, but for a lot of reasons that you say, Matt, and we know how dynamic that Chiefs offense is, but the Ravens come in with the number three offense and the number one defense. The last time we saw a team that had a top five offense and a top five defense was the world champion New England Patriots of two years ago. So, like, this is a great, great football team all around. We said it last year, and we talked about it in the offseason when we did our straight facts post. That, that's the best team in the league, and they, like, damn near got better. So, Kyle, who you got on Monday? This is a tough call. I've gone back and forth with myself three times a day. But I <laughs> – it's hard. I got KC on the year, no doubt. But on Monday, I, I mean, got Baltimore it's going, in the game. I can't fault you for either one that you said. I got Baltimore in the game with the Tyron Matthew X Factor. If, if Matthew comes out and gets a pick – and can get defense, then I see KC winning this game. But they didn't show me enough last week against the Chargers and Justin and Herbert. To, to pick. That's that's my point. And here's the thing. We got two quarterbacks who, who love and embrace the showdown aspect of football. They know exactly what this game is supposed to be. There's a reason why this game is on Monday night. They know it. That's dog. Is that your dog back there going crazy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they know what this Monday night game is supposed to be, right? This is hyped up from everybody and they love that so we're going to see a hell of a football game probably a shootout you know i'm not going to doubt that but i think if the Chiefs can somewhat match up to 
the Ravens level of defense, like you said, if, we, if, if Tyron Matthew can get the Chiefs to buy in for a couple of possessions and make one of those key late plays to equalize it, then, you know, I think that's, I think that's what it'd be. That's what it'll be this week. They call Patrick Mahomes the great equalizer. I think defense will be the great equalizer this week. But we were going to move on. That's all we got for the main segment. Time to talk about what happened this past week in sports. Kyle, that's you. Take us away. All right. So in the 120th U.S. Open at the Wingfoot Golf Club in New York, Bryson DeChambeau took home the title. Not only was he the only player to finish under par in the entire tournament, but he also shot six under. This was the second of three majors that happened this year with the Masters set to kick off November 12th. You know I got to throw my golf in there. It was a fun tournament to watch. I don't know if you guys watched it. Matt probably did. That course was he tough. He was the only player on Sunday to be under par, and that and he never won a major before. Incredible performance by Bryson DeChambeau. Yes, sir. Puma fam. Talk to me about the Puma fam. Over here doing great things, man. Go ahead. I love it. All right. On a more somber note, the week two of NFL football happened, and whether your team won or lost, there's a good shot you were hit with an injury. God we lost damn. Nick Bosa, Corland Sutton, and Saquon Barkley for the year with torn ACLs. Other key players injured include Jimmy Garoppolo, Christian McCaffrey, Drew Locke, Devontae Adams, Raheem Mostert, Malik Hooker, Byron Jones, and possibly the weirdest injury of all time happened when team doctor of the uh, Chargers punctured Tyrod Taylor's lung trying to give there him a painkiller injection. So, all in all, it's just a bad week to be an NFL player. If I'm Tyrod Taylor, get the lawyers, bro. Lawyer the hell up, dog. A team doctor punctured your lung. Like, why are people making such light of that? He punctured his lung. There's like a couple spots in the human body that shouldn't get punctured, and the lungs is one of them. That's like a deadly like, thing to happen. It's so like malpractice. It's like definition malpractice. <laughs> and then and then just said, my bad, slapped him on the ass and said, go play a football game. Yeah. Like, no, like that's that's ridiculous. But sad to hear about all those injuries, and, and it's hard to ignore the lack of preseason and preparation that these players got, right? And week weeks one and two were the first time that they were getting hit and seeing live play. And it's just hard for you're going to that's just grown men you're colliding with. Like that's hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So Billy Donovan has agreed to become the Chicago Bulls next head coach on a four-year, $24 million deal. He'll look to bring the Bulls back to relevance on the NBA hierarchy. There's not too much to say about this, but personally, I love this hire. I think Billy Donovan was one of the best coaches in the league this year, possibly got robbed of coach of the year, and a restart Bulls type of system could be good for him. Mm-hmm. Billy Donovan, I view as a mediocre, mediocre coach. I'm glad the Sixers didn't hire him, and I'm glad he's off the table for the Sixers to be hired. Mm. Mm. Disagree. Here's here's why he doesn't make the link to great coach or coach of the year. Um, because I think he's in a very similar situation with that Bulls team that he was in Oklahoma City with a lot of young players, some dispersed talent, and no direction. And he gave the Thunder, along with Chris Paul, direction. Here's how we put all these young pieces together. Here's how they can coexist. It's, it's what happens when you're a really good college coach or used to getting new young players every year and have to put them in a system and move forward. And he did that. But both times he went to the playoffs with the Thunder, or all the times with the playoffs with the Thunder, he had subpar performances. So, you know, I think that's what stops him from taking that next leap as a head coach with, like, it's great that you outperform expectations in a regular season to get us here. But, I mean, you still got to get a job done when it comes playoff time. And if a team is ready to go forward, Billy Donovan's not your guy, which is why I don't think he was the guy for the Sixers. It's, I'm... I'm I agree. Like, it's just one, still still huge improvement over Jim Boylan, Billy Donovan. Yeah. Has. I think this oh, year isn't that. that same narrative for Donovan. Though. I mean, he brought him there. He went seven with the Rockets. He made a great change in the playoffs about Lou Dorden, almost won him the series. 
I, I don't think it's the same as those previous Thunder yeah, teams. He didn't know when to take Lou Dort out. He he started Lou Dort. He didn't know when to take Lou Dort out, though. There was a clear time when Lou Dort needed to be out of that game seven. He left him in too late. Chris Paul think- almost won Vinny Del Negro a coach of the year, who's out of the league. He also mm-hmm. almost won Billy Donovan a coach of the year. The, the, it's Chris Paul being the floor coach that makes Billy Donovan look too good. That's just my opinion, yeah. though. And, and look, he's got what Chris Paul says is his next young prodigy in Kobe White on the Bulls. So take that for whatever it's worth. But Chris Paul said himself, like, the, the closest player to me in the league right now is Kobe White. That's the next Chris Paul. So we'll see. We'll see. All right, moving forward. So we all know by now that Giannis won the MVP and Defensive Player of the Year awards. But let's focus on the WNBA. So Asia Wilson won the MVP of the Las Vegas Aces, and Candace Parker won the Defensive Player of the Year. James, talk to me. I mean, this is, um, one, I'm happy it's two players I recognize. Full disclosure, I, I don't think we personally talk about the WNBA enough. I don't think it's talked about enough through the sports landscape. But right now, during the NBA playoffs, it's hard to give the W. It's hard for the WNBA to get shine. But uh, Candace Parker was one of like the very first WNBA player, first woman basketball players I like started really following. Her and Diana Taurasi. When Diana Taurasi came out of UConn, and when she came out of Tennessee in 2008, like they put me on the map to women's hoops and in year 13 to win defensive player of the year. Like if an NBA player in year 13 today won defensive player of the year in his 13th year, you know how big of a deal we'd make it at? Like that's a, that's a crazy accomplishment for year 13. So that's great. And then Asia Wilson for, for the Las Vegas aces, her, her nickname right now is auntie. I'm pretty sure. And that may not fit her now. Cause she's like in her mid twenties, bro. When she's like, you know, late 30s getting ready for retirement and it, it is sitting on you know some role player on a on a championship contending team the nickname auntie is going to be perfect it's literally going to be perfect Phil, get right. philly a WNBA team like that's i, I feel I like if, no, philly, philly doesn't have if philly, philly had a WNBA team, team i feel like it'd be way more invested in it 100 percent. philly would love a WNBA fair. team fair all right last thing i got so Deion sanders will be the next head football coach at jackson state Sanders replaces John Hedrick, who went 6-9 and nine overall with the school, a school that hasn't had a winning season since 2013. This is huge, especially for HBCUs, as we've seen a movement towards these schools in terms of sports. Most notably for me, I saw Mikey Williams, the number one prospect in high school, say that he thought he could go there, but I've seen other athletes step up too, yeah, and we've seen a lot maker, of NBA maker. players. Maker, maker, I, I forget, I don't know how you Maker McClure. Yeah. Yeah, and we've seen a lot of NBA players uh, putting the HBCUs on the map. So this is a, yeah. this is a big leap. Huge, huge win. And they didn't just get anybody, man. They, they didn't just get, like, a, a really good player or a great football mind. They got primetime Deion Sanders. And did you see? Watch how he came into his introductory press conference. That's exactly what they're getting. He came in with the full Jackson State band behind him. He had a pep rally for himself. But that's Deion. That's what, that's what a program like Jackson State needs. Life. Excitement. I need draw. Why, why do you want to come play for Jackson State. Why should we put Jackson State on TV? Prime gives you all of that. And we were talking about like maybe the best football players ever. Forget corners. You know what I mean? Like football players ever. Prime time's on that short list. So you're you're getting you know you're getting the full package with Deion Sanders. So that's great. Apparently he's already offered his son, who was, I believe, like the the number four or five quarterback in last year's uh or in this year's high school class, I'm pretty sure he's already offered him a scholarship to take him away from Lane Kiffin and FAU. So I'm, I'm just really happy for it, man. It's great. I think if Dion knows what he's doing, which it's his first coaching job we don't know yet, 
he could get stellar recruits just off the stellar. platform. Yeah. And they could be a really fun out of nowhere college football team. He's got like yeah. like Dion's got this era of media on his side. Like that's the showmanship is what like this area era of media loves. He was on first take. I think it was yesterday. It might have been this morning, but it was yesterday. And he was telling all the top recruits, he was like, Dion's coming to your living room, baby. Like coach, coach prime is coming. I don't care where you are. And that like, that's, and I guarantee you there are multiple five, four star recruits who are going to go to a, a Florida, you know, a, a you know, a, a Cincinnati, you know, a, a school like that who are like, screw it, man. I'm going to, I'm going to play for coach prime. Like that's, that, that's, that would be the most fun experience in the world. So I'm real that's hyped bad. for that. That's all we got for this past week. <clears throat> My fault. That's all we got for this past week in sports. Let's uh, move on to the countdown. Number five. The amount of turnovers Carson Wentz has through two weeks. Four interceptions, one fumble loss. 27-7 with 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions last year. He doesn't turn the ball over. Now y'all got something to answer for. Because Carson Wentz looks, say it with me, Matt. Shaky baby. My Shit. counter, my counter. Of course, you have a counter. Good quarterbacks can play like shit for two games. It happens. That's what, that's that's what's happening. That's all you got. That's all. No, it's, oh, like, it's shaky. It's shaky. That's all you got. It's shaky. I could go into depth about look at McNabb's 3 and how blah, but I'm not going to do that. But like, he he's a good quarterback who's played like shit for two games, and the team isn't built to play to win when Carson plays poorly. So. Okay, okay. Your, your big deep threat, your your number one draft pick is out for, for multiple weeks. That's another injury that, that Kyle didn't name that got hit. So the last thing y'all need is injuries. So yeah, we'll, I'm, we'll see. I'm, I'm not overreacting to the Carson stuff. He's like last quarterback, <clears throat> last quarterback in the league right now. I'm definitely worried, but I got a little plan for the Eagles. Because this is their problem last year. They don't score in the red zone. So Carson gets you to the 20, and then you just put Jalen Hurts in. You saw him start to do that. I, I don't think it was a coincidence. Jalen Hurts made two appearances last week. Both decoys didn't touch the football, but I think it's Doug Peterson's way of saying, like, get used to seeing Jalen Hurts on the football field. That He's was their big issue it. last year. They were just getting three every time they went down. And this year, we're just turning it over. It's a interesting proposition. We'll see if that happens. Look, so I'm going to say it. No one, everyone's going to throw stones at me and be mad at me like y'all always are when I just speak real about what I see about the Eagles. If Carson Wentz continues this, he's got three weeks. Give me three bad weeks, and Jalen Hurts is your starting quarterback. I'm, I'm saying it. There's there's a reason you draft a quarterback in the second round. Matt, you can shake your head all you want. I know you don't, I know you don't want to accept it, but you spent a second round draft choice on him for a reason. Like you like for a reason, right? Like you could have went and got they a stud linebacker. You give someone a hundred like fifty million dollar contract for some reason too. Like that's more valuable and than he's a not playing up to it. And he's not playing up to it. He's not playing up to poorly it. For two games. We that's can slow two. the roll. It hasn't been just two games. We played two games. They games. Two games. No, two he's games. always been bad. All right, I got to cut you guys off here. We got to move forward. Number four. The number of players to score 30-plus points in a playoff game at age 20 or younger. Magic Johnson in the 80 finals. Derek Rose in the 2009 first round. Brandon Jennings in the 2010 first round. And now Tyler Hero in the 2020 Eastern Conference finals. Brandon Jennings is the one of these things not like the other person on that list. <laughs> he is. But look, 
Tyler Hero good in any hood, man. He hoop, he hoop like he don't know his daddy. I'm pro- like I'm telling you, like there's something in him. I was mad when there was the Hero like trade rumors around draft the draft last year that the Sixers are gonna get Hero. I was wrong. Wish we got him. Really? Yeah. Over, over your pride and joy, Tease? Uh, I love Tease. Hero is better, clearly. <laughs> yeah. I love Tease though. All right, number three. Oh, hold on. Number three. The number of times the NBA Finals featured two teams without a player who won MVP. 1956, 1977, and the 1990 Finals. If the Nuggets win the Western Conference Finals, if they come back and beat the Lakers, the 2020 Finals will be the fourth time that we've seen two teams without an MVP. Um, I think it's a long shot, but we're not going to sit here and roll the Denver Nuggets. We had a whole list of reasons why they can get themselves back in with a game or a game four win. Uh, tonight, so we'll we'll have to see, but we know we got we got two very team oriented teams in the East, and the Nuggets could, Nuggets could do it. Facts. Number two, the number of U.S. women's national teams players assigned for Manchester United this transfer window. That's Kristen Press and Tobin Heath. I just want to say it's really screwed up that we have the best women's soccer player in the world, and we can't keep them in our league. How bad is that by our soccer system to not keep our players in the league when they're like, it's one thing if the men go to like the best teams, but like we have the best women's soccer players in the world and we We can't keep them in the country. We don't, it's, it's terrible. That's that, that, that's a tremendous point. Like how little do we have to care about women's sports to watch our women not win on a global stage, dominate on a global stage and not put an emphasis into keeping them in house. It'd be like if we went for the redeem team, and thrashed everyone in the Olympics, and then watched all of our players go play in England. Like, yeah. I was like, what? Durant signs for Real Madrid basketball. Okay. <laughs> Megan Rapino talk about other stars too. Megan Rapino was just named the highest rated player in FIFA. It's on, on time Alex, for one, the hundred most influential people in the world. Alex Morgan went to Tottenham. Like, it's 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 a sad state for the WNSL. All right, number one. The number of teams to make the NFL playoffs after being last in DVOA through two weeks. That's the 1989 Steelers. The Eagles are currently last in DVOA right now. To make it hurt even more for you, Stat Matt, I need you to define DVOA for me one more time for the people at home to really make this stick. How bad are the Eagles right now? It evaluates play on a it evaluates how good you are on a play-by-play basis. And it takes on how much better or worse you are than the average NFL team does on that play. And through two games, you can play the worst team in football. I do want to say one thing about the 1989 Steelers, so I don't have to keep talking about the Eagles, is that the 1989 Steelers lost week one 51 nothing to the Browns, and then lost week two 41 nothing, 41-10 to the Cincinnati Bengals, then went on to go 9-7 and and gave a scare to the Broncos in the second round before it ultimately was the same. Uh... Uh, I don't think so. I don't think that's the 2020 Eagles. Uh, I don't we'll, know. We'll have that number two next year. Eagles are making playoffs. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that'll be number two. Um, we're almost out of time for this episode. We can get some shots about the buzzer. Matt, got anything to say at the buzzer? I just want to talk about, we don't talk about hockey enough. Not that we talk about hockey enough, but we don't know about hockey enough to talk about there it. it. Is, there it is. There it is. <laughs> I, I just want to highlight Steven Stamkos. Steven Stamkos is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer in the, whatever the Hockey Hall of Fame is called. It's in <laughs> I know it's in Toronto. That's good enough. I know it's in Toronto. There you go. There you so, go. 
He's been a Tampa Bay Lightning his whole career. He He's known for having just kind of struggles in the playoffs. He made the cup final in 2015 when they lost to the Blackhawks. He didn't score a goal or have an assist the entire... It had only one assist the entire series. Then this February, he gets hurt. Looks like he's out for the season. But COVID happens. And he finally came back on game three last night. And he played two minutes. That's it. Because he's coming back from injury. And he scored his first ever Stanley Cup final goal. Those two minutes in their 5-2 to two win. And they went to go up 2-1 on the Stars. I just want to give a shout out to Tim Stamkos. Sports are cool. Sports are cool. Let's do that hockey. It's crazy because... <laughs> it's crazy because hockey might be the most... one of the. I mean, it's one of the most... It might be the most violent sport. I mean, you can openly fight. So, like, it, it's crazy. But that's the sport where people play into like their mid forties and fifties like all the time. Yeah. Why is it hockey? Like I've never understood why yeah, it's hockey. I think it's because they don't get the the burden on their legs isn't like other sports since they glide on the ice. So like that's, that's what you're running. You want ice skating now? You um, you don't no, feel like the weight of you stepping on a basketball court. Oh boom God. boom boom. You're gliding on the ice and I guess I'm doing it wrong because when I take off ice skates, dog, my ankles and my knees are on fire. Like I, I must be, I probably have the worst technique. I'm like, I'm the guy that's just like walking on the ice basically, like like a penguin going back and forth when I'm ice skating, but that's crazy. But that's good. Good for Steven Stamkos. Kyle, got anything to say to the buzzer? I got nothing this week. All right, he's simple, just like that. All right. My my the buzzer is uh I'm gonna comment on uh, you know what's been circulating in the news past the past couple of days with this Kobe Kobe Kobe. I don't even know dude's name. Kobe with an L. Yep. Kobe Covington. I guess I should know the name. That that's bad journalism on my part. Um, but with Kobe Covington, um, you know his press conference after he won his title fight uh, in the last UFC main card, I had some choice words, and I'm paraphrasing here. You can go look up the exact quote of what he said. But during his post game rant. He said, I'm tired of these woke athletes while wearing a make a great again hair, make America great again hat. We're saying I'm tired of these woke athletes and these spineless cowards like LeBron James, alluding to the fact um, that, you know, those players uh, are cowards for how they're using their platform to speak up for social injustices and, and LeBron James in particular. And I was like really confused, one, as to why he singled out LeBron. Like, I, I get that. You know, to, to really get the national headlines that he wanted to go after the, the most notable figure. I get that. <clears throat> but I want to clear something up for everybody. LeBron James is not the only player or even really the forefront of this player movement who's speaking on social injustice in the bubble for NBA players and for the sports world in particular. We know that LeBron, you know, isn't shy with his words and, and, and you know, likes to put his opinion and stamp on everything. But when it comes to leading the player brigade, I mean, we have players like Chris Paul, <clears throat> excuse me, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, people who have been speaking up way more, Malcolm Brogdon, you know, people have been speaking and doing a lot more, you know, than LeBron has been doing just, just in this short time period of them being in the bubble. So to come at LeBron is, is baseless, it's factless. Um, and to me, it's just, it's just trying to get attention, you know, to, to put yourself on a, on a higher stage. And Max Kellerman was saying this, and it was really, I thought it was it was a really good point, that the reason Kobe Covington sounded off like this, I think was less about what the content of what he was saying and not liking the athletes, and more of wanting to, to have his 15 minutes of fame, right? Because here we are talking about something we probably wouldn't be talking about that much. 
it's Colby Covington, you know, winning, uh, you know, uh, you know, winning his last UFC belt. And what sucks is he could have an opportunity for a lot of us to be speaking on that. Like he's a world champion in probably the hardest sport that there is. Like that's just simple hand-to-hand combat in the UFC. And he's a he's a multi-time world champion. And I would love for that to speak for Colby Covington, but instead we're talking about him as a villain. And if you're Colby Covington, you got to be comfortable with now being the villain, now being the bad guy, because you have just put yourself in that line. I'm not a UFC fan, but the fact that I know that he is a Trump supporter, but I don't know whether he won his title fight by knockout or just... I don't know how he won. I just know he won. It's it's sad. Like, I'm a sports fan. I'd like to know more about the sporting aspect than, like, him just deciding to try to get his 15 minutes of fame. And when they talked about him on, you know, ESPN on first take and all the mainstream sports shows, it wasn't, oh, look at this guy who just is a world champion in UFC. It was, yo, look at this guy who came at LeBron for no reason. Like, that's all. No one's talking about your accomplishment, bro. Like, Kobe, realize how you're being talked about. And your 15 minutes of fame is just about done. Like, we, you, we, you got your two days. You got your big media stir. And now LeBron's about to go win the Western Conference Finals. So now, like, your portion of this is done. And while you were in the mainstream media circuit, no one talked about your victory. Everyone kind of talked about how much of a clown you were for coming at someone who, one, doesn't deserve to be, you know, doesn't deserve to be put down like that. And two, who you were wrong about. Like LeBron is not, LeBron is not the biggest and baddest dude for this. It would have been more impactful if he would have dropped like Chris Paul or Jalen Brown or somebody like that. But him just dropping LeBron tells me that he was just trying to throw, throw rocks at the throne. Pun in, no pun intended for King James. I do want to throw one thing out there. This is like his character. This is what Kobe Covington does. Like he wants to stir it up. He's been wearing the Trump hat for three years. He says wild stuff, and I, I'm happy he finally got the negative response, and people were actually saw what he's been doing. But this is what Kobe Covington does, and it could be a character. But regardless of that, it's. It and, was weird. and I want to get <clears throat> one thing pretty clear. I don't care who your, you know, what your political affiliation is. He's not a bad guy to me because he was wearing a MAGA hat or because he's a Trump supporter. He got Donald Trump to call him in the middle of that post-game rant, which yeah. for the keep politics out of sports people isn't a good look, right? Like, that's, I, thought, I thought that's not what we wanted to do. But anyway, like, that's not why I'm saying he's a bad guy. I don't care. It, this There could be a, a Democrat who, I don't know, for some reason would come at the NBA players, he'd be a bad guy for me. It's what you say, not who you vote for. Like, I, like I, don't, yeah. I don't consider all Trump supporters bad people. I don't even want to get yeah. into that lane of conversation. But when you, when you disseminate misinformation like that, when you're spewing hate and division and stuff like that on a world stage, when you have such influence and you have a, a moment in time where you can really be impactful... We watch someone like Naomi Osaka, who would would she dominate mainstream headlines of Sports Center and ESPN and anything like that for winning the US Open? Probably not. She would get her time, but she used her 15 minutes of fame to, to talk about uniting people and to talk about justice instead of talking about division. And look how we talk about her. Her 15 minutes of fame got stretched because after she was talking about good, oh, by the way, she was one of the youngest people to win the U.S. Open ever. Let's talk about that also to double down on the greatness that is named in Osaka. When you're Kobe Covington and you use your 15 minutes of fame to spew negativity, all you get is the negativity. You don't get to talk about the good stuff afterwards. 
Because once you once you say that, I don't care what you want. I don't like I don't care if you want a UFC fight because your 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 morals are in the right spot. So we gotta yeah. address that and only that. We're not gonna yeah, talk about right. what you did. I just more put that out there. Like I think this was on purpose. I think he, he two days two days before he was like, this is exactly what I'm gonna say, whether he means it or not. Like this is the character, and he's almost like a troll. And if this is what if you're this I, is what he wanted. To me, if you're being an asshole, ironically, you're still being an asshole. Okay, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> Rhetorically, ironically, right. Whether it's a, a character or not, you still hate the villains in the movies, right? And they're playing a character. So, yep. I mean... And the best part about UFC is everyone loses eventually and you get to watch the dude get knocked out. So And it's quick. People are going to get their time you of day. You want to talk yep. about a fall from grace. Pretty much every fall from grace we've seen in UFC has been rapid and ugly. All, like, yeah, it's all fighting sport. Yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't steadily decline in UFC. One fight, you're the you're the welterweight champion of the world, and the next you're getting your teeth kicked in in a fence because you pissed somebody off. So, we'll we'll see. But we'll dead that from there. I'm sure it'll be talked about a little bit. Maybe not. Kobe Covington, you kind of had your kind of had your time in the spotlight. You used it very uh, interestingly. But that's all the time we have for this episode. Our last, maybe our last episode over Zoom. We'll see. And we can get back in this, into the Academy Studios and Philly Hall of Fame. But until then, uh, thank you. Big ups to my guys, Kyle Sirik and Stat Matt. Uh, for them, I am James Jackson. These have been the facts. Straight up. It's sorry I had to move, but I was about to die with my laptop. 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 To die with my laptop.